the Off The Ball Podcast Network. Hello there, you're very welcome to the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with myself, Jamie Moore. Thank you very much for joining us, as thousands of you do each and every week. Now, coming up over the next hour or so, we're going to have all the reaction from Tala Stadium on Monday night, on Tuesday night, should I say, of course, because the game was on Tuesday night and it was the Ireland women's national team in action against Ukraine. A 3-2 victory for Vera Powell in her opening game in charge. We'll hear from the Ireland manager and, uh, of course, Megan Campbell as well, the long throw expert and our off-the-bench colleague, Kleena Foley, will give her reaction to the game. But a number of League of Ireland players and, of course, Eileen Gleeson, League of Ireland, uh, former League of Ireland manager, as the Ireland assistant boss. So that's coming up in just a second. We'd also check in with the Ireland men's camp ahead of two huge Euro 2020 qualifiers against Georgia and Switzerland with two former League of Ireland men, Matt Ardy, ex of Bohemians, now with Wolves, and Sean Maguire, former Sligo Rovers, Dundalk and Cork City striker, now with Preston North End as well. And we'll be joined by Shamrock Rovers defender and Cape Verde, soon-to-be international Roberto Lopez, after his call-up by the Cape Verde ahead of two international friendlies, one uh, beginning on Thursday of this week, and we'll hear from Pico in just a second. We'll have reaction and uh, analysis as well of all the other news that's going on, including this League of Ireland convention that's going to happen next month to decide the future of the league, and also the Niall Quinn group statement about the FAI and what they've said and what they haven't said, and... Of course, that first division playoff between Longford Town and Cabin Tealy, which is nil-nil from the first leg. That's all on the way on the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast. So we're going to get the show on the road at Tallis Stadium. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off the Ball. Ireland 3, Ukraine 2, the girls in green have made it two wins from two in their Euro 2021 qualification group and given new manager Vera Pau her first victory in an opening game as manager. The FAI were pushing for a new women's attendance record for an international game and they've got it 5,328 fans turned up, around 1,300 more than the previous highest. Ireland went 2-0 up through goals from captain Katie McCabe and player of the match Rihanna Jarrett before a goalkeeping mistake by Marie Hurahan made it 2-1 before the Ukrainians equalised after another Irish mistake. But they won it seven minutes after half time, Megan Campbell's unbelievable long throw sent Jarrett through. Her cross found Denise O'Sullivan, whose shot was blocked on the line but a whacked off Ukrainian defender Natia Potsalayer and bounced into her own goal. Goalkeeper Marie Hurtrahan for Ireland made a great save in the last minute to save the points. It leaves them second in the group, having won two from two and crucially six points ahead of Ukraine with one game less played. Germany though have won four games from four and it's those who Ireland are chasing at the moment. Next up is a trip to Greece next month as they continue to try and qualify for their first ever major tournament. So with Vera Pau in her Ireland scarf after her opening game and your Ireland win 3-2 over Ukraine, record crowd here in Tala and a very happy night for your girls in green. Yeah, it, it, amazing. Uh, we made it very difficult for ourselves, actually, because we were 2-0 up. We had the game in our pocket, actually. And um, because of two individual mistakes, we suddenly are under huge pressure. Um, so that third goal, um, they they had this absolute will to not give the win away. And uh, we had already um, prepared what we would do if the pressure would get too high. So one shout was enough. They executed it fantastic. Yeah, I noticed in the second half you were trying to scream with your, your hands around your mouth for the players to hear you with the record crowd and lots of young girls screaming. It was sometimes hard for your players to actually hear you. They didn't hear me. I had to use all my voice and they did not hear me. So, so uh, that's a good thing. You cannot say like, one more, I need to coach. Yeah. <laughs> but that is a good thing. Eh? So one time I asked the players, who has a hard vo- uh, loud voice? Can you call me <laughs> <laughs> and like at half time your team are 2-0 up um, your captain Katie McCabe scores again player to match Rihanna Jarrett gets a great goal you're 2-0 up in 28 minutes and then you make two mistakes and they equalise before half time and you probably had to calm the players down at half time given they'd kind of thrown away a lead 
Yeah, yeah, because of course they came in the dressing room uh, angry and and um, not to the to the place with mistakes, but that they were giving it away. So indeed, to calm them down, and we just repeated what we've done this week. What were the points that we agreed? Restructure, reorganize, get the lines closed, get that four block working. And um, that helped, I think, the second half. We were the better team again. We were in control. Um, but of course, 3-2 uh, down, uh, they played four up, then they played five up. That means that you need to have five back. Um, that was organized, but that also means that there's no players anymore to play. So you, yeah, the long balls gave us a lot of pressure. Yeah, I interviewed Megan Campbell three or four times in the last four years and she's had such serious injuries and, and she's come back and like her long throw tonight on both sides and she had the space with the, you know, the stand to the sideline and her long throw in the second half was very different to the ones in the first half in that it created the chance for Rihanna to cross it in for the own goal and that's a massive, massive threat for your team. It is a weapon, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's what we said uh, on the bench. But also, we haven't really trained it. Only uh, two throws, uh, so that everybody could feel how far she could throw. And then coming from back, the, the moments that she threw it over, the only thing that we needed to say is, don't do it every time. Have a good look. Is it on? You do it. If it's, Is it not on that? And if you see it, have contact with each other so that Rian knows. Uh, amazing. This is This is coming out without training. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, massive. And, you know, the crowd as well was massive. 5,328, I think. And the FAI had hoped there'd be 8,000 here. And I think some season ticket holders maybe didn't take up their tickets and there were some empty seats. It's still a record crowd. But are you disappointed that it wasn't the 8,000 that we'd hoped it would be, given that there were 8,000 tickets given out? Well, disappointed. It, it is a shame. It's a shame because we've been absolutely clear. Hand in your tickets because there were so many people wanted to come who couldn't come mm -hmm. because there were no tickets available. And that is really a shame. Maybe we need to think about a different way because those people will stay. They will come. Everybody will come. And um, to get the stadium full, we maybe need to think of how, how can we organize that. But, but people have done a phenomenal work to get that all the all those tickets um, being picked up because people had to download them. They had to to how do you say that to to receive request, them, to take them, yeah, to request them, yeah, to yeah. get them. Um, so it's just a shame that they then then not come. And I know the FAI, you know, people in the ticket office were making calls to make sure people were going to use their tickets. Clearly, two and a half thousand didn't. And for the next game in, in a little while, I know you're away in the next game to Greece, but to hopefully that you know. 8,000 tickets are available for people who, who will actually come and sit in the seats and cheer you on. Yeah, uh, so we, uh, I'm sure there's people, special, specialists in our office. It was amazing what they did now, but now everybody's awake, everybody wants to come, and I'm sure that they, uh, they find a way to, to get it really packed. And lastly, two wins from two, the opening game against Montenegro when you watched in the crowd and, and the win tonight. Germany, 10-0, 8-0, 8-0, 5-0. It's likely they'll top the group. Ukraine, who you said before the game were your main rivals for a second, have no points now from three games. They have played Germany twice. You've played Germany in two of your last three games. Greece away next. And there's a chance to, to really try and build some more points with, with some, some tough games towards the end of the group. Yeah, we, we, need, to, uh, we need to win from Greece and uh, Montenegro. That's it, and then it comes back to our away game against Ukraine. Uh, so it's it it is a shame we've given the goals away because of the goal difference and and the internal result. Um, so if we lose one 0 there, they have a better result because they've scored twice. Um, but on the other hand, a draw could be enough over there.
So you're happy with your start and an enjoyable night for you in your first game as manager too? Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. It keeps us going to the end. Very congratulations. Thank you for your time. Well done. Thank you. Thank you so much. So Megan Campbell, you're back in green. You're back making long throws into the box. Outrageous stuff. You're back winning games for your country in front of a record crowd at Tala. Good night at the office. Yeah, brilliant night at the office. Uh, brilliant night for all the girls involved, the staff. First uh, first game, first win for Vera and, and the rest of the staff. Um, yeah, it's just something to build on now. We've beaten the second seeds, but we know we have to go again against them away. Um, but we're looking forward to the challenge ahead and next next game is Greece away in November and that's where our main aim is now is to focus on that I was actually on air on News Talk at the time when your first long throw came and you came all the way across from left back to the right and you had about a 10 yard run up because of the, the space in Tala and it was like back post for I think it was Louise Quinn to head it and it's like Megan's back yeah obviously delighted that I can contribute in that way obviously I like to think that I can play with my feet as well for the majority of the game but if called upon and if needed then I'm going to do that and thankfully it paid off for the third goal but I think without Rihanna running all night the way she did uh, those opportunities wouldn't have come and without the other 10, 11 players on the pitch and the girls on the bench as well from the training load this week you know we've worked hard as a unit worked hard for Vera um, and, the, and the staff um, and Eileen and Jan so going forward obviously we're, we're buzzing and we're just going to build on that yeah, talk to us about the difference between a long throw kind of into the box as opposed to the one for the third goal, which is kind of a straighter one to put someone in behind because they're very different types of, of throws, but it's the same distance and same outcome, really. Yeah, maybe it's a little harder when there's already everyone in, in the box and um, they're already expecting the ball to come in because sometimes keepers can come and claim them. But I just looked up and I seen that their back line was high and uh, tried to take the opportunity and thankfully it paid off. As I said, I don't think without Rihanna's run and cut back for then Denise and Katie getting in the box for the goals, then it, it wouldn't have happened. But um, obviously, it's class to see. Working with Vera this week, she's come in and she's been great with her time with us for interviews and very interesting and engaging person. What you been like to work under? Brilliant, yeah, absolutely loved uh, the week. Really positive, uh, no fear of failure. It was the main aim this week, and um, just to build on that as a as a team and as a squad going forward was more positive play and in us going forward in our formations and going into games knowing that we can come out res- with results rather than playing on a um, and a draw or whatever. And, and yeah, I think that the training sessions have been good. They've been lighter, but Vera's like well obviously she's a great professional and knows what she's doing and and everyone's bought in and I know it's only been a week but we're looking forward to the next camp in November yeah the crowd tonight 5,328 off the top of my head we're hoping for 8,000 and whatever happens season tickets not coming or whatever but for you guys to have that record crowd and again spend the time at the end with the the young girls and boys taking selfies and autographs and stuff in Dublin a big crowd and and hopefully building that for the next one yeah definitely I don't think without that crowd being there and without everyone singing ole 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 at the end like we could all hear it on the sidelines um, coming in onto the pitch and we're just obviously delighted that the crowds have turned up I think it's on us as players to keep building now and keep performances on so that the crowds keep coming back but yeah just really thankful for everyone who's come out and supported us and hopefully it long may it continue and lastly it was really interesting when Vera told me last week that you were going to train against boys and with boys and you played the UCD 15s and that unbelievable sport Ireland Dome during the week tell us about that and I'm not sure if you yourself as a, a women's footballer have played kind of against boys or against men and, and you know Vera's thought process on that and how it went yeah many would say that obviously boys are more physical obviously faster it's, it's the obvious thing and so for us to want to build and to play possession football we need to do it against a high fast moving opponent um, because that's the only way you're going to get better yeah you're going to make mistakes but that's what the training games are for and um, thankfully UCD boys came and they played us in the indoor arena in Abbottstown and um, it was good it was a good opportunity for the girls to get to play together for Vera to see players and um, yeah I think it worked well for us going and building on this game coming into the Ukraine game.
And last year, tried to chase Germany, but you're ahead of Ukraine now. You play Greece away next, Germany in two of your last three, so all to play for. Yeah, definitely all to play for. Our main aim is to still qualify for Euro 2021, but November we'll look to Greece away and we'll build on that. And three points is the next main aim against them. Megan, well done. Congrats. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Ireland 3, Ukraine 2. Two wins from two and an opening night victory for Vera Pau. The opening goal coming from the captain, Katie McKay, before Rihanna Jarrett made it 2-0. Ukraine made it 2-2 before the break, but a winner, an OG after a long throw and a great play again by the player to match Rihanna Jarrett. Anybody with an own goal and a win for Ireland. It's two wins from two and a record crowd here at Tallis Stadium of 5,328 for Women's International. And I'm joined by Kleena Foley from our Off the Bench show and podcast. Kleena, oh, what a night for the girls in green. Yeah, um, again, I would say just one, they got the points, 3-2, that's all you need. But a bit like the last game against Montenegro, I'd like to see them score more goals. The one good thing I would say, first game in charge for Vera Pau, set them up much more aggressively and much more attacking formation. 4-4-3, you know, Colin Bell, the previous manager, that was the one issue I had. He always set them out to defend. And ironically, tonight it was the defence you know, it was like they, they've been working so much on attack that maybe defensively they, they made two bad errors, really, for two two goals. Yeah, because having gone 2-0 up, I think on 25 and 28, you're going, this is going to be a win for Ireland. And then they can see the two goals, mistake by Marie Hearn and a mistake by an Irish defender, to go 2-2 before the break. I'm sure Vera Pell was wondering what was going on. Yeah, and I mean, and the, and the thing was they'd scored two great goals, two brilliant goals, I think two in four minutes. And suddenly they just took the eye off the ball and two bad defensive right? First by the goalkeeper and the other one, I think, by Megan Campbell, who had a very good game in the second half. In fairness, she held the defence together. So it wasn't a great night for defence. People like Louise um, Quinn, Quinn and, and um, Fahey normally, who are like stalwarts in defence, Neil Fahey and Louise Quinn, just, just didn't seem sharp tonight. And actually Megan Campbell in the second half held them together. The Ukrainians were handy enough, but you have to remember that like Germany beat them... I think eight, eight, nil, eight nil. nil, and that's the worry, really. If you like, we should be put, we should be putting up those scores. We need, we need to be getting more scores. I think. Good to see Leanne Kernan back tonight. She's obviously still not match fit. She's not starting for West Ham yet, um, and good to see her back. It just came on the second half. There got a few touches. Clearly not match fit. Not, not. She's not touching the ball well. But good to see her back as well. And Megan Campbell. Good to see those players back in. Probably our strongest team in a while, Jamie. I think that she's lined out with. Yeah, and really good noise behind us still, and, and I love at these games and record attendance tonight, but that the players spend time with the fans, they're there taking selfies, signing autographs, like the game is probably over 15-20 minutes now and they're still there, they're trying to build a connection with these fans who will hopefully come back again and, and see these girls as their heroes. Yeah, and we saw the big 2020 flag here out at halftime, lovely to hear the announcers say at halftime as well, there were members of the Dublin team here, Kieran McGeehan was here tonight as well, and some of the Irish hockey team as well, so there's a great and momentum there. <laughs> well, I don't know about Katie Taylor, but there was mention, okay. I was... I don't was, what, did you hear me? Yeah, the press box was. Uh, I told she was. You know, I didn't oh, see her right. myself. No, I didn't well, see her either. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that was the case, brilliant. Even back back where where a lot of it started for her as well with soccer. But um, so great. The one thing I would say is though, like it was reportedly a sellout crowd. Now it wasn't still a record crowd. But the crowds that come, you'd love to hear them actually getting behind the team more. I mean, at times they needed support. I think when they went two 0 up. You know, you'd love to have got the fans really behind him at that stage. But look, they're building. It's interesting. Um, for me, it's great to see Eileen Gleeson here, stalwart of Irish women's football, now in the management team, assistant manager to Vera Pau. So that's very positive, I think, going ahead. The, the, the issue I had was with Colin Bell was, yes, they were, you know, getting good results and, and very good defensively. But he was setting them up very, very defensively all the time. And I think they have the potential to, to attack. Denise O'Sullivan tonight, once again, just a marvellous player, worth, worth, it, worth the money to 
to come in to see her. Katie McCabe in good shape as well tonight as well. Oh, is it, they have great touches. So it's a very talented team and I think that they deserve a management who trusts them to attack a little more. And just on the crowd, you know, the FAI this week and, and you know, in fairness, they put together a great campaign, some great photos of Vera Powell and Mick McCarthy and they had these like fake signs for the fans and stuff and 5,300 is a great crowd but we were told it was sold out which to me means that the FAI season ticket holders who were sent tickets didn't come and I know the FAI ticket staff were making calls this week to try and ask people if you're not coming will you give us your tickets back because I saw stuff on Twitter about local schools asking for tickets they couldn't get them and that's the thing I'm sure for the next game I know they're away in Greece but the next home game they need to try and work out if it is going to be a sellout that the people who have tickets actually yeah, come get here as well and there could be an element as well of clubs down the country maybe booking and then thinking the weather wasn't great today and maybe thinking okay we won't go but you're right you would love to see it I mean even even I mean this is a this is you know I would say two years ago here you weren't getting much more than 12 1400 so I mean that's already great progress and I think it shows the sign as well of a strong strong sponsor strong push from the FAI they're definitely investing promotion into the women's international squads and teams now and I'd love to see that pushed on to promote the National League as well, the, the So Hotels National League, I think that's the next step as well to promote that more and get more crowds going to that And just lastly, Germany, 4 wins from 4 I think 10-0, 8-0, 8-0 twice against Ukraine and a 5-0 victory today, yeah. We've played 2 games, won both against Montenegro here 2-0 and tonight's victory, so Ukraine were 6 ahead of them, we played a game less they remain rivals for 2nd and we know the top three best seconds qualify automatically the others get in playoffs and we're trying to make our first ever major tournament it's only a start but yeah. it's a great start and we need to finish second because we're not going to catch Germany unless No I don't yeah. see anybody catching Germany in this group and the thing Jamie is as well is there are nine groups so it's three from nine groups as the playoffs are going to be very competitive as well I think but yeah. if they could get there um, and particularly to see the under 19s I think last week qualified um, through didn't they yeah. so like that's a great that's a great sign as well and it'll be interesting to see over the course of this campaign as well whether any of those get moved up and get used here as well. Cleena Foley, thanks a million. You're welcome, thank you. Yeah, full interviews with Cleena Foley, with Vera Pau and of course with Megan Campbell on youtube.com forward slash off the ball. It's the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast with Jamie Moore here. Don't forget in a few minutes time we are going to have that chat with Roberto Lopez but staying on the Ireland team for now of course and uh, the 21s playing in their next qualifier against Italy at Tallis Stadium. It's Thursday night, it's a five past eight kickoff. The game is sold out and what I would say is because we've just heard there about the women's match if you're a season ticket holder, if you've got a ticket, whether it's a freebie or you've paid for it, please go to Tala and cheer the lads on because they want to get big crowds into these games. And there were two and a half thousand people last night who had tickets who didn't bother going. For whatever reason, they didn't go. And we would love the place to be full to watch Stephen Kenny's 21s with a sprinkling of the League of Ireland and loads of lads in the UK, of course, who uh, play their schoolboy football here in Ireland or in the National League who are going to go and play in Ireland, going to try and win another qualifier against Italy and probably their toughest test so far that game is at Tallis Stadium. And then, of course, we have the Ireland senior team taking uh, these qualifiers across the weekend on Saturday and Tuesday against Georgia and Switzerland. And that's our next port of call with Sean Maguire and Matt Doherty, two former League of Ireland players now playing in the Championship and in the Premier League respectively you'll hear the voice of Sky Sports Guy Havord and our own off the ball Stephen Doyle speaking to the lads at the FAI HQ today and Guy began by asking Matt if he's been training at left back because of course end of Stevens is suspended and you can't obviously see this but Matt Doherty actually looked across to one of the FAI media guys and uh, this was his answer Um, uh, No (laughs) 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 But I have been training so um We'll just see what happens. You haven't trained. I have been. I have, you, have, yeah. you have been training. Okay, well, let, let, let's make the leap. The fact that you might be at left back, uh, is that something you'd be happy to do? Yeah, of course. Um, I've 
totally comfortable playing in that position. I've I played two seasons there for Wolves, one and a half seasons maybe it was. Um, so yeah, like uh, it'll be nothing new to me. Um, so if if that is the case, then yeah, I'll I'll enjoy it and and grab the opportunity with arms. When did you actually last play left back? Um, probably about three years ago. Probably probably before. Um, Nuno was the manager that, se- that season, um, probably in, and, and at the start of that season, probably more than anything. So um, it, ha- it has been a while, but um, I guess we're professional and I'll be able to adapt. Is it very different? Right yeah, back? it is different. Um, I know some people might think sometimes di- uh, it's just right back, left back, it's just go over the other side. But positionally um, and, and things like that, there are, there, are, there are differences. But like I said, we're, we're professionals and I'm professional, so I should be able to be good enough to adapt pretty quickly things have gone so well for you obviously uh, for the Premier League but has the last year been frustrating for you at international level oh of course you want to you want to play as you want to you want to play as many games as you can you want to come into camp and and train and be involved in the game so it it, it can be frustrating when when you're not involved but um, I guess that's kind of international football there's a lot of there's a lot of good players around and and you kind of got to wait your time which is what I've been doing Sean, talking of frustration, I suppose to miss the last uh, set of matches was disappointing for you and, and such a, a freak injury as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one of those things. Um, I've, I've went to kick the ball in training, so it hit me straight in the eye. Um, got a bit of a fright, actually. Um, I was probably blind in one eye for about a week. And then, obviously, you're, you're at home, and that's what I was told. I was told to just rest for about two weeks. And obviously you're sitting in the house and you, you think about all these these free things happening and all all sorts of things going through my head. But yeah, it was it was frustrating to miss miss out on those two games. But happy to be back involved now. Um, being doing well of late. Obviously we're Preston and we're sitting third in the league. Um, so it's uh, it's two obviously it's what Matt said is two big uh, two big games for us uh, this week and we we look forward to those. We don't know what's going to happen at the moment with David McGoldrick, but if he doesn't play, do you feel that the, the number nine jersey is up for grabs amongst you strikers? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, Didzy, I think he's been our, our most consistent player um, since since the Gaffers came in. Um, obviously, got that big goal against Switzerland, and it's been obviously unfortunate to pick up an injury a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously, he's touch and go for these these two games, but obviously, there's me, Scotty, you know, Collo. Um, and Aaron Connolly coming in, so and and obviously Callum Robinson. So um, there's big shoes to fill there. Obviously, if if he doesn't make it, but um, all of us have been doing well and scoring goals at club level. So we'll be hoping up to you know pick up the obviously that that number nine jersey. I think as I mentioned, the strikers at the moment, um, all of us are scoring goals, playing well. Um, Obviously, I feel like me and myself and Aaron are even seeing him in training. We're quite quite similar, um, quite similar size, stature, and and the way we play. I know he's done brilliant so far this season at Brighton. We were actually watching the game uh, against Tottenham in the change room right before our game against Barnsley, and um, the way he turned the Tottenham defenders inside it was a joy to watch. And um, obviously, Callum Robinson, um, Scotty, Collo. All doing well at the moment, so it's it's good to bring that competitive edge into training and wanting to do better in training um, against your teammates. So it's a it's a good thing to have. Sean, have you spoken to Robbie Keane about that, and has he been giving you much 
coaching there in the setup? Yeah, massively. I think I've been involved now in, in three international, you know, setups with Robbie, and even in training. Um, for example, even yesterday after training, we st- we stayed out for fifteen minutes, and he was telling me obviously 80, 90 percent of his goals are scored uh, within the box, one touch, two touches, and and that's something that I aspire to, and, and hopefully I can do be- better. And um, I've scored three goals this season, and off play- playing off the left, but. Even just giving giving me tips here and there um, can only make me make me better. You've set up three goals as well. Is that something else that you feel you're learning? Is that you know sometimes when the the chance or the opportunity might be gone for you, but that you could be in a position to set up a teammate? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially when you're playing off the left, um, you're there not to just score goals, but to, to help your teammates and make assists. And which I've you know I've I've done that, and I don't know I think it's eight games that I've played this season. Uh, it's all been going well. Um, obviously, I think we're the top goal scorers in the championship this season. We're probably the fewest, fewest chances um, created. But um, yeah, it's obviously I want to hit at least. I don't normally, you know, give myself goals at the start of the season, but I want to at least get get fifteen goals this season, and that's a marker I've set myself at the start of the season. And I think of like what thirty odd games left to, to reach that that goal and. Um, you know, as I said, there it's been looking good uh, so far. Matt, I suppose maybe some people are looking from the perspective that you know it could be a weakness. We have a, a, a right back playing a left back, but how much of a weapon could it be that you could be, you know, a real threat to an opposition defence coming in off the left on your right foot and really causing some some damage to their defence? Yeah, like when when I was in that position, that's what I used to love doing. Um, I played there for like a year and a half, two years, and like during that time, I was saying to myself, I actually maybe I enjoy it more than playing on the right hand side. Obviously, my mind changed once I went back to the right hand side and realised that that was better. Um, but but like going going forward, I think my assists and goals were uh, at Wolves at the time were still maybe one of the higher ones in the team. We're still up, um, and yeah, you can you can cut in, you can do many things, you can do long long. Field uh, passes, you can obviously shoot, you can play one twos around corners, um, and they always think you're going to go inside, which makes you able to go down the line as well. So, um, yeah, look, I'll, going forward, will be I would I, I enjoy it going forward from the left hand side, and um, it kind of opens the game up, and uh, it would be something that I would like doing, yeah. And the thing is, if you if you do start at left back, you're gonna have to very quickly build up a relationship with whoever it is playing ahead of you. Um, how important is that? in the training this week yeah look gonna have, and playing people playing beside me also um if i if i do play there then yeah like but like i said like we'll we'll kind of just be we'll be able to do it um that that won't be an issue we'll be able to build up relationships um pretty pretty quickly and um i don't see that being a problem off the balls league of ireland podcast November convention to decide the League of Ireland future. The future of the SSE Artistry League of Ireland will be decided at a club convention in Dublin in November following, quote, very positive meetings in Tallaght Stadium on Tuesday. The meeting also elected Noel Byrne of Shamrock Rovers as president of the National League Executive Committee with Drod United's Jim McCardle as vice president. All 20 league clubs and other stakeholders were represented at the seminar which was addressed by the League of Ireland Working Group set up in July. The clubs were presented with the future plans for the league as envisaged by the working group made up of representatives of eight clubs. The proposal met with a positive response from all 20 clubs 
who will now consider the finer details when they're presented for approval at the club convention in November. This convention will also consider the outcome of a meeting in Dundalk later this month when Kieran Lucid will present his latest All-Ireland League plans to clubs from the League of Ireland and the Irish League. FAI General Manager Noel Mooney chaired the TALA presentation and has welcomed the findings of the working group. Shamrock Rovers Director Noel Byrne will serve as the first President of the National League Executive Committee elected since the FAI adopted the recommendations of the Governance Review Group, which report was published in the summer. He's joined on the NLEC by Drodas McCardle and Dundalk's Martin Connolly and St Pat's Anthony Delaney also elected. Gobby United's Padder Ryan will represent the First Division clubs on the NLEC with the FAI's board and senior council both to nominate one member each who cannot have an association with a league club. The NLEC can also co-opt two external specialists to the committee subject to approval of the FAI board. So that's the statement from the FAI and what it effectively means is that the clubs are going to have a say as we knew in the future of the league and you know for me and the Kieran Lucid plan, I didn't, I wasn't at Abbottstown for the presentation, but I have spoken to people who were there, and apparently he was really, really, really impressive, and, and plans, and you know, facts and figures, and that sort of stuff. For me, I can't see it happening, and I certainly can't see it happening in the, the time frame that he hopes, and you know, I'm not sure there's enough people from North and South who want it to happen, and for me, I think we've had the two 10-team leagues in the League of Ireland, and you know, we've had the battle for Europe in the Premier with fourth involved because of the Cup. We have relegation 10th. We have the relegation playoff at ninth, And the first division with, you know, top going up, second, third, fourth and playoffs, it keeps things alive. And I just think we need to try and work with these two 10-team leagues for now. And I will be interested to ask Kieran Lucid if he felt that his plan or any parts of his plan could actually work for the League of Ireland as opposed to the All-Ireland League and to see what he would say on that because something that's... Um, you know, hopefully will be a positive for the league. But for me, I just don't think that it's going to actually work or happen with the All-Ireland League just yet anyway. But interesting times ahead. Interesting times as well on uh, late on Tuesday night when the Niall Quinn group issued a statement. And I'm going to read you through it now. The Football Visionary Group media statement, Football Visionary Group confirms commitment to Irish football development contrary to false reports from the FAI. The Football Visionary Group has noted with surprise the release of the FAI claiming that the group has withdrawn its interest in being part of a proposed solution for a newly revamped League of Ireland. These claims are completely false. It appears that these reports were based on a media release circulated by the FAI. If so, it is both confusing and deeply regrettable that the FAI would choose to act in such a disingenuous manner by providing false information to the public and indeed the League of Ireland clubs. The group was not contacted for a comment prior to the publication of these reports. The group therefore takes this opportunity to once again confirm its total commitment to supporting the clubs and the creation of a better future for the League of Ireland. Indeed, the group has been in continuous contact with the clubs throughout the process and hopes that their expertise may be utilised by the League of Ireland clubs in redeveloping the professional game in Ireland. The statement goes on and I'll just finish with the final a bit of it where it says the group remains at the disposal of the clubs and it is more committed than ever to leading the f- or lending its full weight of expertise should I say and experience to supporting the development of a stronger more successful and sustainable League of Ireland which is at the heart of Irish football such efforts are not helped by the publication of false statements and we hope that a more concerted and transparent process will allow for the betterment of football in Ireland the game of football in Ireland and all its stakeholders deserve a better future than the experiences of the path clearly hinting at the a storied history of the FAI in recent years. So that's the Noel Quinn group. It seems like they still want to be involved. Kieran Lucy wants to be involved. And again, could they both be on a new League of Ireland board with you know different people involved? It would be interesting to see if they could sit in a room and, and kind of trash things out. But we certainly do feel that we're at a, a crossroads for 
League of Ireland football now and the next decision which will be made by those clubs will be a crucial one as well so yeah we'll uh, keep an eye on that in the uh, coming weeks and months it's the Off the Ball at League of Ireland podcast time now for two big interviews in a few moments time we're going to hear from Trevor Clark former Shamrock Rovers man now playing for Rotherham United but now it's my chat with Roberto Lopez before he flew off on the weekend to meet up with the Cape Verde squad Off the Ball's League of Ireland podcast Shamrock Rovers Dubliner Roberto Lopez has been called up to the Cape Verde squad for the first time. He qualifies through his dad, Carlos, who comes from the Atlantic Ocean Islands. And Pete goes in the squad for upcoming friendlies against Togo on Thursday and the Dior Congo on Sunday, both games in Marseille, France. And he joins me on the line now after last night's scoreless draw in the League of Ireland in Sligo, of course, with the FAI Cup final to come in a few weeks' time. So a massive few weeks for Roberto. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Jamie. I'm, I'm not too bad. I'm always interested to find out how players actually hear the news of their international call-up because we find out via press release emails or on Twitter. How did you hear yourself? Uh, the whole kind of process was, was a bit crazy to me. It was actually, it was through LinkedIn that I found out that uh, I'd be, I was interested, I'd be interested in, in getting me into the squad. Uh, so that was about three or four weeks ago when the process kind of snowballed from there. And, uh, I was in contact with, I think, the vice president of the, of the federation just to get like, the the tears crossed and the eyes dots. And um, yeah, like it, I think last week I was in the divisional squad. I got an email about when I the club, and even at that, I was just kind of it still might or might not happen. And then obviously when it was released that I got in the squad, it, it was just it was a shock to me, and I'm delighted so. I was thinking like a phone call from the manager Stephen Bradley or a WhatsApp or an email from someone in the Cape Verde Federation but LinkedIn for an international footballer wow that's an interesting story Yeah and it probably it goes a bit more weird than that as well like, because uh, I got an email I got a text on LinkedIn probably about a year ago this time a year ago in Portuguese but I don't really speak Portuguese only one or two words and I just thought it was uh, it was spam like so I took no notice of it and then obviously probably about a month ago uh, I got another message back in English to say did I think about it uh, and I was like what's what's going on here what was it to think about so I was still a bit sceptical and didn't uh, I didn't reply and then I think uh, it was the manager actually who texted me he said uh, just forget about it and then I was a bit panicking and I was just like what's he to ask me here so I translated the message and it turned out it was uh, him asking would I be interested in uh, declaring for Cape Verde because I look like getting new players into the squad so of course they kind of went back with me tail between me legs apologised I don't speak Portuguese and uh, yeah it just took off from there and uh, I got in contact with a lad in the Federation who's been texting me and emailing me back and forth all the documents that I need uh, and then eventually asked me for the, the club uh, contact I gave him the secretary's number, uh, email and it came from there Yes, now I've been doing some research, Roberto, into uh, the Cape Verde and it's very interesting just to find out about how they actually make their football team and Cape Verdeans abroad, who are more numerous than the population of the islands themselves, are a major source of players for the national team. So players coming from Asia and all across Europe as well. The nickname for the football team for the country, they have two nicknames, Pico, the Blue Sharks or the Corollas. And, uh, of course, the country uh, spans the 10 volcanic islands in the central Atlantic Ocean. So... It's a very interesting way that they, they pick their football team and you're going to go and play this week for a team called the Blue Sharks. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a great nickname, to be fair. Um, yeah, obviously, look, me dad's from there. I've been down there twice, so I, I know about all the islands and especially the, the volcanic activity. I think one of them is just a volcano. Like, so, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's great. It's great to be a part of it and 
it's it's great uh, that my dad can can say that he is some player to Cape Verde, like, so I'm delighted for for him, and he's he's delighted as well. Like. Yeah, your dad's called Carlos, and you know he's at all of your games nearly all the time, Roberto. When you were playing for Bohemians, he used to be there on a Thursday to cook the the post training meal for the team as well. So he's had a massive influence on your career. How's he feeling about it all? And will he actually make it over to watch the games? Yeah, like he's buzzing. Like the whole family's buzzing. My man and my dad, and it's just great to see. You can see every time you now that I come around, I'm giving him information about the, the up and coming games. There's, there's just a grin on his face. He's just. He, he can't can't control it. Like uh, again, same same with Ma. Um, yeah, they're going to try and make all of the games. I still have to get a few details just in regards to the stages of the games are being played in. Um, but yeah, they're going to try and make it over for at least one. And as well, like I know when you spoke to us on the podcast last year, I was asking you about your nickname and and where the name Pico came from. And you were talking about your dad when you were younger, and and you know the family giving you that name. And you always knew where your dad was from, and that they had a football team. And we know that I know Jack Byrne, your teammates in the Ireland squad, but it's not overly common, you know, for people playing in the League of Ireland to play international football for Ireland. But we always kind of think in the back of your mind, you know, because of your dad links to there that if your football was going well, that this might be an option. Um, not really. Like I think someone asked me about it before, obviously because obviously you don't get many Roberto Lopez as a league either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, people ask me like obviously built me down, built me background, and obviously I think a lot of people knew that I was uh, half K Berlin. Um, but it, it's not really something that I was just like kind of chasing. I said, yeah, I'd look into it, and if, if there was a possibility, like, but I, I haven't really like pursued it with any real intent. And uh, I probably wouldn't have to be to be honest with you unless someone got in contact with me. So uh, I was kind of blessed in a way, like because I'm probably a bit lazy. <laughs> yeah, and now the call has actually come, and you're going to have a chance this week to play international football. And I'm sure that's something that we'll be able to, you know, just taking your stride because you're a professional footballer but I'm sure maybe next week or the week after or whenever you have a chance to look back on these games once they've happened you look back and go my god I've just played international football for the country of my dad's birth he's lived in Ireland for most of his life and this is a really really interesting story yeah like, exactly like even, even even now like I'm just excited like I'm just obviously uh, a bit, probably a bit anxious as well just to get, get involved because obviously you're going into a new surrounding like uh, I'm not even sure who, who speaks English or if, if anybody speaks English like so uh, it, it's going to be fun uh, communicating anyway um, but yeah you're right I, I don't I, I at the time, I think I'll just be focused on the football and obviously and, and trying to do my best in the train or whatever and, and hopefully get a few minutes. Like, um, But you're, you're definitely, when I look back on it, like, it'll be incredible. And yeah, Cape, sorry to tell, tell you. So. Yeah, Cape Verde played their first ever game in 1978, a 1-0 defeat to Angola. They've never qualified for the World Cup, but they have played in a couple of African Cup of Nations as well, played in two of them, uh, the first in 2013 as well. And, you know, are you aware much about the squad you'll be with and the manager and the coach and staff? Have you done much research into, into who'll be your, your new teammates for the week? Yeah, yeah I, I've done a bit, a bit of research now. To be fair, I think it was, it was announced in uh, a squad for the players on a, a Twitter page on the... On the national teams Twitter page so they let out a few players so I went and researched them I think one of them was playing for, uh, against Feyenoord for Porto you know, so I was watching that game uh, seeing who he come up against and trying and like um, yeah I just done, done a bit of research about the team as well like so yeah, it just sounds so exciting like that. You're not kind of quite sure. And I know, I'm sure you are anxious and it is daunting to wonder, is anyone going to be able to speak English to you and what the standard will be like and how professional it will be in comparison to what you're doing at 
club level too so I'm sure that that's something that you're anxious about but also intrigued excited and it's something very very new like you know most people in their mid-twenties playing football there wouldn't be too many new football experiences for them unless they go and play in some crazy place around the world but for you it's going to be a you know a really new experience this week yeah exactly and you're right I know it's very anxious but I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing as well like it's going to be a great trip and a great experience I'm just delighted to be involved and and just uh, excited to show what you can do and obviously get involved in the training and the set up and just see how you do at, at the national level like, so yeah I'm, I'm really excited and I can't wait to get going Yeah and you mentioned as well that you know you've been over there a couple of times and about the volcanic islands and stuff for people here in Ireland and from Dublin who've never been there and don't know much about the place just talk to us about your experience of being there as a kid and, and you know what the country and those islands are actually like Yeah well, it's, it's a bit of, it was a bit of a uh, a nightmare trying to get down there. Like I was been down about I'd say over ten years. Like, but uh, remember when we were trying to get down there? I think get to fly to Portugal, and then you had to fly into the the main island, which is Sal. Uh, it was like the the main airport. Uh, so we, we used to fly there and kind of stay overnight before we could get uh, a local flight to Sunny Cloud, which was where my dad's from. And it's it's a beautiful uh, beautiful set of islands now. I have to say, um, with Sal especially being been very nice. I think that was the most modern at the time. Like it was really done up. There was lovely hotels, and then where my dad's from, it's, it was more like kind of like farming. My granddad would have a, a big farm down there, um, which still be slightly undeveloped in some islands, um, but that's come a long way now in, in the last few years because my dad was down there. I think only last year, and he said it's been vast improvements. Like, but uh, yeah, lovely set of islands, uh, great weather. So that's <laughs> that's the most important thing. Yes, of course, and I'm sure when you went there as a kid, and you know, again, well, you, you were probably what you're what twenty five now, twenty six. I'm twenty seven. I'm getting on. James. My God, that makes me feel very yeah. old. Roberto Lopez is twenty seven, so you would have been seventeen, eighteen the last time you were there. So you know, you were a teenager. You were old enough to go and kind of appreciate the place where your dad had come from and all the history behind that. Yeah, definitely. Well, like, even when I went, I was probably a bit younger now than uh, in seventeen, and when I went, like I probably. It was just it was completely uh, out of my comfort zone when I went down there obviously because probably the four of us had travelled at that age and um, it's only now when I look back really and reflect I was thinking I'm so lucky to be able to experience that as a young young child to, to travel that far across the world like and just take in my surroundings like and again it's, it's only now when I look back I think it's a, it, it was brilliant like and um, I'm looking forward to going back again. And Roberto, just lastly, you know, from the point of view of Shamrock Rovers, we have Jack Byrne in the Ireland squad for the, the two qualifiers coming up as well against Georgia and Switzerland. We saw the news yesterday that Dermot Desmond, you know, the the, the person involved in Celtic, looks like he's going to invest in Shamrock Rovers. You're in this squad for the Cape Verde, an FAI Cup final to come, the first in 10 years against Dundalk at the start of next month as well. Exciting times for the club? Yeah, I think it's been a really positive year for the club and uh for everyone involved in it, it's, it's been it's been really enjoyable and like you said we have the the cup final now at the end of the season to look forward to it'll be be a great day out and obviously look how we can get one over the dock and then just everything kind of happened in the inside of the club it's it's all positive like and I think Jack has been Jack has been one of our shining stars the whole year and he's been rewarded by the second time now in the squad like so it, it's just great and it's great to to be a part of it and go in train every day with with the top top players that we have and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really good game. I'm looking forward now to the, to the cup final. Yeah, that's Shamrock Rovers, Roberto Lopez. Now, the fixtures in the Premier Division this weekend, and of course, we have uh, another round of fixtures, but most things really decided now after the uh, results last weekend. Bowes beat Cork City by a goal to nil, thanks to Derek Pender's goal, even though it looked like an OG by Ty Ryan. Dundalk won, Derry City nil, Daniel Kelly with the winner. The Derry manager was absolutely incensed 
Declan Devine and his team didn't get a penalty. Waterford beats in Pats by two goals to nil. It finished Harps nil, UCD nil, and Sligo nil, Shamrock Rovers nil. That game was on Saturday. So it means that Dundalk's lead at the top is now even bigger than it was last weekend due to that Shamrock Rovers draw. They're currently on 83 points, Shamrock Rovers on 66. And, you know, if you look at the gap between the two of them, you're saying it's, you know, 17 points now and, and Rovers will want to, you know, close that between now and the end of the season even though they can't actually win the league. A huge win for both that. They're now on 53 points. That's five ahead of Pats with three games left. They have to play Pats. Derry on 51 and Pats on 48. So it looks as if it might be between Derry and Pats for that final European spot. And that, you know, results between UCD and Finn Harps means that UCD are still in massive, massive trouble. They're six points behind. There's three games left. Their goal difference is, is far, far inferior. So it looks like UCD are gone. And Harps are now six behind Cork still with those three games left to play. So uh, barring a miracle, Cork will survive and Harps will be in that relegation promotion playoff. The fixtures this weekend... Um, only three fixtures due to involvement in a number of the international underage squads it's Bowles and Dock at Daily Mount 7.45 on Friday at the same time Cork City hosts UCD and at 8 o'clock in Tallis Stadium it is Finn Harps against Shamrock Rovers gets the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with Jamie Moore our final port of call is the first division playoff between Longford Town and Cabin Teeley at City Calling Stadium uh, this Friday the last uh, first leg should I say took place in Stradbrook on Friday nil-nil draw and you know both teams had chance looked like a good game and you know fair play to Longford Town putting up some great highlights on YouTube as well if you haven't seen him give it a look and both clubs putting up some video interviews and audio with some of their players and managers after the game as well so all to play for and I don't know why but I think that game could go all the way to Penos now that might sound like a very obvious prediction given that it was a draw nil all in, in Stradbrook but I just think it might do and yeah, of course, the winners of that will face Drogheda and the winners of that will likely face Finn Harps. So, yeah, that game is at City Calling Stadium at 7.45 this Friday and um, we'll have a reaction to it. I know that's what I call sport on 98FM this Sunday morning and we'll preview the winners of that against Drogheda on the show next weekend as well. That's it for another week on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Thank you so much for listening and to all of our guests. More from all of them in the podcast section of 98FM.com and we'll see you next week, folks. Bye-bye. That was an Off The Ball Podcast Network presentation.